0: I ask. Um, our next speaker is Mike Church. He attended, um, he attained his BA from New St. Andrews College in 2007. During his senior year at NSA, Mike started working in business development at MZ. And after graduation, he became their top salesman. He worked with Key Properties in Moscow, Idaho as a licensed real estate broker for a number of years before beginning his own brokerage, Kestrel Realty Group in 2017. He launched Kestrel Property Management earlier this year. He is married to his lovely wife, Catherine. They live outside of Moscow on a farm with their four spunky kids, some chickens, and a hunting dog named Chief. And my fun fact about Mike is that in two weeks, I am marrying his sister. So, yeah. Yes, that's a fun <laughs> uh, they're very excited. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Tim. Thank you for having me, and um, thank you all for coming out and spending your uh, beautiful August morning here indoors to learn and, and, um, and hopefully grow. I hope that the talks have been edifying, that they've been helpful, challenging, and convicting. Um, on that last note, I do my goal just to be clear my goal will be to convict you, guilt trip you into buying a home. Um, <laughs> no, not really, but I do love real estate. I love helping people um, buy real estate, um, hit their goals of home ownership or investment goals. And so I'm really excited to talk about it and talk about it specifically as it relates to your stage of life um, just post college. And I'm going to start my stopwatch here so I don't go too long. Um, Now, kind of a little bit of background. Um, Some of you may have heard me two years ago. So I spoke two years ago at the conference. Um, I'm going to cover a lot of the same things, but um, it's not your permission to zone out. I think those things bear repeating. And a lot has changed in the last couple years as well. Um, so we'll be covering some do's and don'ts, when, where's, what's, why's, and how's of buying real estate, um, and covering again quite a bit of new territory. So um, first off, let laying some groundwork about the why's. Let's start with the why's. First of all, why do I love real estate, um, and then why should you care about it right now, just out of college? Um, so, Tim in the bio mentioned kind of NSA. what Came here, went to NSA. Um, MZ. um, That was way back in the old building. So we didn't have cool facilities like this. And I'm really excited to see what MZ does down the road. Um, But before all that, I grew up in Michigan and in my family's um, lumber business that was started in 1890. Um, So a lot of history and kind of lumber relating directly to building and real estate. But specifically, my grandfather and my dad really raised me with that love of real estate and 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 the opportunities there. They built wealth through building real estate investment and development. Their day job was at the Lumberyard, but I spent my time growing up riding with them to job sites to check on commercial buildings that were rented, things like that. And it really showed me a love for kind of the tangible aspects as well as the opportunities um, that real estate holds. And seeing that love for it really instilled it in me and in my blood but I, I actually think it's kind of in everyone's blood. Um, I think God gave us this world to take dominion over. And so much of that involves land, whether that's making land productive through agriculture, you know, we have harvests going on all around us or taking dominion over it, building, developing, enjoying, um, you know, undeveloped land that God gives us to enjoy. So that land is in our blood. It's something that God gave us to enjoy and work with. Um, And one of the other things about it that that you should love and that I love is the uniqueness of it. So there is no two pieces of land that are the same, right? That's one of the inherent qualities of it. The other is that, as Mark Twain put it, they're not making any more of it. Um, So it's it's inherently unique and it's limited. Um, And those two things are always going to have value. And that's just the way God made the world. So kind of from my childhood to now full-time career in real estate where I get to deal with it every day, every day is different and that makes it a lot of fun. Um, You can hopefully see why I love real estate, what's kind of in my blood about it. Um, But again, why should you be considering it? Um, And considering particularly, I think the talk is supposed to be entitled buying a house. So why should you be thinking about buying a house now? Um, Well, for one thing, we're all dealing with real estate every day, no matter what. So, whether you own it or rent, you still or still live with your parents, you are involved in real estate. You're living in a place, you have a place to take care of, you have a place to show hospitality, discipleship, and evangelism. Um, and all of that relates to specific places. Um, how many people know the mission of Christ Church? Number of people. So, all of Christ, all of life for. All of Moscow, right? So all of Moscow—that's a specific place—and this is where God placed us. And um, I think it's it's important to to be rooted in a place, be invested in a place, um, and and that's you know one of the first aspects of it. Part of how we live out that theology is through the land and our homes. So we all need to think about it. But why this early on? Again, um, you may be thinking. This is, this is rather I'm just out of college. I don't know what I'm doing yet. Maybe you're still in college looking at further plans. Why should I be thinking about it now? Well, last time I, I spoke, I talked about, mentioned um, when I was looking at homes when I was at NSA with my dad. That was about 15 years ago now. I used the example of a notebook. I still have a moleskin notebook where I took notes about homes we were looking at and considering for buying, renting out to some roommates you know, as, as an investment opportunity. Well, then we, we decided to pass because the homes were overpriced (laughs) $140,000 today, those homes would easily be worth 275,000. And not only that $135,000 in difference, but again, 15 years ago, that home would be almost paid off and been paid off through renters, through rental income. So I think it's, I wish I had been more serious about it earlier. Um, uh, just even crazier, Moscow in the last two years. So since I spoke last at this conference, Moscow average home price has risen 26.5% from about 230,000 to 290,000. That's so $60,000 that you could have gained if you had bought a house two years ago when I told you to. No, but really I, I think that it is, it is crazy to think about that. What other opportunities are there to gain $60,000 in two years um, apart from your primary job and and something you can do kind of on the side. And and again, I really just wish somebody had been pushing me as Ray Brown said, the best time to buy a home is five years ago. Um, So whether it's something you can act on now or just plan for down the road, buying a house is something you should at least be thinking about and preparing for right now. But, does this mean that I think everyone should stop renting, buy a house if at all possible? That it's a sin to continue renting? Well, yeah. I no, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. It, there's. I. I want to lay out a few important reasons not to buy. So there's obviously it's not for everyone. There are some reasons. So let's lay those out ahead of time. Um, a basic rule of thumb that I give to people a lot is a two-year rule. So. If you're planning to move within two years, maybe consider just renting. And and part of that, there's a number of reasons for that. Um, One is because of the costs associated with buying and selling, which include um, commissions, include financing costs. We're gonna talk more about financing later. Um, Capital gains taxes. So if you, even if you live in the home as your primary residence, if you sell it before two years, you have to pay capital gains tax on that gain. So there's a few costs there. Um, and, uh, and again, just depending on where your plans um, might take you. However, if you plan to hold the property for a rental, even if you were to move or purposely renovating and flipping, you know, that's, that's kind of an exception to that rule, but the two years is a good kind of rule of thumb um, for why you might consider not buying right now. Um, the other thing um, would be financial situation, obviously. And that might be what's at the top of a lot of your minds. Um, sometimes even if you can afford a home on paper um, it's kind of amazing the formula sometimes it's scary when you meet with a loan officer how much they tell you you can't afford and you think I can't afford that um, so sometimes it's wise to not incur more debt um, than than you can't then you need to or buying something with a lot of deferred maintenance that might drain all your reserves I don't know if any of you watch Parks and Rec can't necessarily recommend it but I was reminded of there's a, when Tom Haverford, a character on there, his business fails. And he says, I don't understand it. They say, spend money to make money. I spent all my money. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. You want to make sure you have cash reserves. Um, but again, the borrower is servant to the lender. I think all of us should have a very, very healthy fear of debt. Um, so there might be some financial challenges that would keep you out of it. Um, But on that note, and you'll notice this is a major theme throughout the whole talk, is seek some counsel on that. Um, Don't just rely on your gut feeling of, I don't think so, I can't afford it. Or um, yeah, I wanna just jump right in. Meet with somebody who you can trust to help you evaluate that, evaluate your financial situation before just jumping in or writing it off completely. So a few reasons we've talked about why you shouldn't buy. Um, but what is the big deal anyway? Why purchase when you can just rent and not have all the headaches? And I will tell you, there are a lot of headaches with homeownership. Uh, but should we be shying away from headaches and hard work? Um, I didn't have a chance to listen to all the talks, but hopefully a lot of them are pushing you to work harder um, and pushing you uh, to, uh, to strive for more. Proverbs 20 says, the glory of young men is their strength. And God gives us that strength for hard work. That's what it's there for. Today, the culture and particularly the media are pushing young people more and more to perpetual adolescence, especially as depicted in movies and TV. They say, shirk responsibility, be free, you do you. YOLO, if YOLO is still a thing, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think it can be tempting to want to hold off and hold on to that perceived freedom in youth. Um, the freedom to have little responsibility, do whatever you want on the weekends, Um, but freedom is had through hard work. Um, And as Pastor Wilson says, often says, fruit baskets are heavy, meaning blessings, good things often come with hard work and that's all associated with it. So um, let's buck those trends um, that we see so often now in kind of the millennial mindset. I saw a quote from an Australian real estate investor who said that something like, when I was trying to buy my first home, I wasn't buying smashed avocado toast for $19 and four coffees a day for $4 each. We're at the point where the expectations of young people are very, very high. So we wanna wanna prioritize rightly, right? And know that we can't just get things easily. Um, There's gonna be a lot of hard work with it. Anything worth doing is going to require sacrifice. And so let's work hard to buck those trends, embrace responsibility, and to think long-term. I mean, that's, that's one thing about real estate. I kind of mentioned the two-year rule. Real estate is a long-term investment. It's, um, there are opportunities short-term, but primarily it's a long-term thing. And think about um, the financial freedom that can be had by starting early and really looking at that long-term. Um, financial planners, retirement people will tell you the exact same thing. But what about the short-term implications, just short-term budget implications? I mean, that's often what we're burdened with is just what, what do we do right now? Um, well, nationally, things have changed some in the last two years. So I was looking back on some notes, and um, even just two years ago, the, all of the headlines were basically, you know, buying a far better deal than renting, home prices would have to skyrocket for, for renting to be a better deal. Well, in some areas, that has happened. Um, it's changing a little bit. And in many markets, it actually shows areas at a break even or slightly tilting toward renting as a better kind of current option than buying. But it's mostly due, um, well, one caveat, it, all, it does assume that that money that you're not putting into your home, you're investing heavily in stocks and bonds. So there is, you know, there's a caveat there. And it's also due to the lag in rents catching up to, to home prices. So rents follow home prices, rents follow tax increases. Your landlord's not just gonna keep your rent the same um, because all his costs are going up or when all his costs are going up. So as rents increase to compensate, it's certainly gonna swing back in the favor of ownership um, because one of the reasons, you can lock in that cost for 30 years. Um, You're not, your landlord's not gonna agree to lock in your rent costs for 30 years, let me tell you that. So while national trends are good to be aware of, one of the other themes you'll probably get through this is that real estate is local. It's another reason why I love it, it's local. Um, Back, the reason I'm not at MZ anymore, one of the big reasons and got into real estate was because I was traveling a ton. I wanted to be local, be here with my family. And so the fact that it's inherently local is one of the great things about it. Um, At the end of the day, you know, one of the questions we get most often is, how's the market? Um, it's, I think people just kind of ask without thinking about it much, but it really is the real estate market should be thought of like any other market. Homes are a commodity at the end of the day, and they're, they're going to be worth what people are willing to pay for in the marketplace. Basic supply demand, um, basic supply demand uh, works out in real estate just like any other uh, market. So right now in Moscow, we are seeing a real shortage of supply with really strong demand pushing prices up. That 26.5% over two years, as I mentioned, um, is because of that. And this is, if somebody asks kind of, oh, it's a buyer-seller's market. Classic example of a seller's market. Currently, there are 23 single-family homes for sale in Moscow. Um, and about 23 single-family homes sell every month, uh, at least over the last six months. And so we have literally one month's supply of homes here, which they, they usually say anything below four or five is a seller's market. So classic example of a seller's market, and it will make it challenging for first time home buyers, young families. Um, it's one of the reasons I think um, looking for good opportunities, uh, partnering, looking maybe further out, Troy, Viola, some of those communities um, can be a good advantage. So, on a general back of the napkin level, though, let's look at a simple comparison of monthly payments versus lease rates. You should all be familiar with rent. Um, most people have rented in their lives, probably most of you are currently renting, and you know that the rent goes toward basically the right to live there. And you oftentimes pay your own utilities, um, pay your own renter's insurance. On the other hand, with ownership, there's a number of things that go into a mortgage payment. Unless you are you know, fortunate enough to be able to pay cash, you're gonna have a mortgage payment. And those consist of principal payment, interest, taxes, and insurance. Many of you um, were classically educated, I believe, and so should know the root meaning of mortgage, which is mortis, which means death, right? Exactly, death. But in this case, that death is a good thing. So in this case, what what it really means is that you're killing that debt slowly over the time of the mortgage so you're slowly killing that debt and that just that meaning of it makes it very satisfying for me i'm paid debt so you get to kill that debt over time and that's what the principal portion of your payments going for toward. so um, that's one of the biggest differences between your rent and um, your mortgage is that you're paying down that principal. it's really can be thought of as a forced savings plan so again basic back of the napkin Let's say take a typical single-family home, three-bed, two-bath. Today, if you found a decent buy-on-one for $250,000 with 3% down, and be looking at about that's about $7,500 up front, $1,777 a month, including mortgage insurance. Basically, if you have below 20% down, um, they charge you extra to, to um, make sure that they're insured because they have more risk. Um, or if you're able to put a full 20% down, which is 50,000, you'd be paying 13, $1,380 a month. And so basically looking at $1,700 or $1,300 a month in mortgage costs versus um, to rent, if you can even find a single family home, a decent one to rent in Moscow, um, you know, $1,400 a month or more certainly is what you're talking about. So on a really basic level, we're pretty close to break even, right? maybe paying a couple hundred dollars more a month, but when you add in um, the fact that you get to deduct interest on your taxes, um, year over year, the house goes up in value, as we talked about that 26 and percent, or right now we're currently up 11% over last year, um, 10% over the last number of years um, each, each year, then it really starts to outpace renting very quickly. Another way to think about it simply is um, if you take a 30 year fixed mortgage out on 150,000 and made monthly payments of $900 a month, you'd end up at the end of that life paying 324,000 for that house for that loan, which at first blush is like $150,000 house, you pay 324,000 of it. But if you factor in appreciation, now very, very conservatively 3% per year, the home would be worth 364,000 when it's paid off, And over that time, you have a ton of tax advantage writing off that that interest. But compare that with renting a place. So let's say you could rent for $100 less a month for the same period with no increases in rent, which we already talked about no landlord's gonna do. You're still paying 288,000, but you don't have an asset at the end of it. You have nothing. So there really is a ton of advantage and you should want to seek to get into it soon. Um, and all of that's still basic, straightforward kind of budget level, right? But what if we think out the side of the box a little bit? What if you were to Airbnb or rent some of the rooms to some friends, um, rent an apartment one side of a duplex, if it was a duplex? Um, there are some ways to basically get your payments paid for by someone else and continue building equity while gaining valuable property management experience, valuable renovation experience. Um, and, and that can be through kind of the icing on the cake, which is value investing, finding a home that's way undervalued and and gaining value right away or fixer upper, right? Um, everyone now, it seems to be a fixer upper guru. Um, thanks to Chip and Joanna Gaines. (laughs) The flip is not only a great way to build wealth, but it also will give you valuable experience. Um, one kind of, we talked about the the trends in in millennials. This is not a millennial thing at all. I've noticed this trend across all age groups um, and it's really kind of disappointing. More and more home buyers do not want projects, any hard work. They don't want want to take it on. They're afraid of the costs and nobody seems to have the skills to accomplish basic renovations. Um, And I think that's largely a result of that instant gratification culture. Everybody sees Chip and Joanna on Netflix and they want the reveal at the end of that 30-minute show, right? But without all the work and time necessary to accomplish it. Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. So as Christian young people, we should be actively kicking against those trends. And one way to do that is by taking on the responsibility of owning property, learning how to work on it and improve it. And those skills will always be valuable. One thing I'm super grateful to my dad for was, He gave me three options um, when I was in high school of jobs. I could work for an electrician, a plumber, or a carpenter. That was it. And you know why is because, one, it's hard work. Two, those are skills that no matter what are going to always be in demand. And so if you can learn to do those things and the worst happens, you need to just go out and swing a hammer to make a living, you can do that. Um, And, you know, and also what better way to impress a future father-in-law and with a clean cope joint on some crown molding. Am I right? You know? <laughs> um, so and of course, besides these skills, there's the financial gains and all that making it hard to beat. Another strategy as opposed to the flip is the Burr strategy or buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. Um, I stole that from a website and podcast, Bigger Pockets. I'd highly recommend it if you're at all interested in, in the investing side of real estate, biggerpockets.com. Um, awesome resources, um, great stuff there. But I have a friend in Michigan who really um, put that to practice. While he, while all of his friends were saving for cars, buying clothes, I don't think they were doing avocado toast that long ago, but um, he bought, saved up and bought an apartment in a rougher part of Detroit and uh, needed renovations, but he fixed it up, rented it. And he, as far as I know, still has it to this day, along with a big inventory of rental properties. Um, and really built wealth through those properties. So whether you want to buy a place to live, um, try your hand at flipping houses, building an inventory of investment properties, there's many good reasons to buy instead of renting here in Moscow. There are great opportunities in other cities. Um, You might hear about that, Houston and other places where you can get really good returns. But I again, would urge you to think locally. Being a faithful owner and honest landlord will make a big impact um, to your neighbors, to this community. Um, and it's a really good um, you know, witness to the broader community. And I think, again, honestly, I'm kind of a pessimistic person by nature, but um, Moscow, I'm very optimistic about. We've got, as I mentioned, MZ doing their thing, growing and building. Um, Schweitzer, a lot of other small startups, the universities here. I think it really makes it a great example of a long-term strategy Um, owning real estate, as Warren Buffett said, our favorite holding period is forever. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of those long-term strategies. And if you're interested in that investing side of it, holding, getting some investment properties, um, I would encourage you again, push for it, figure out a way to make it happen. Even if you don't have much money, let's say you need $40,000 to get into a portion of an investment property, you don't have it. Maybe you and three other friends all have 10,000. You put a partnership together start investing with people that you want to work with long-term and build some, build some cool stuff. Um, And again, seek counsel as you get started. There are opportunities, you know, to partner with private financiers and that kind of thing as well. So don't let those kind of things stop you from, from getting into it. Okay. So we've covered a lot of the whys, right? Um, Why you should love it, what some of the financial benefits and just character building benefits there are. Um, And hopefully you're ready to grow up and buy a house, which was originally what they pitched as the idea for the title for the talk. We toned it down a little bit. But, um, how do you get started? Let's spend a little time now talking about the home buying process. My advice is similar to Al Capone's thoughts on voting, vote early and often. Um, so get started now. Really though, even if it will be a few years, why not start learning about the process now? and get familiar with your local market. It's a lot of fun to do. And now we have a lot of tools out there as well. Tools like realtor.com, Zillow. They're easy ways at our fingertips on our phone to start just glancing at it, learning about, okay, what that house I drove by, what is it selling for? Um, you know, start to find out what maybe a good deal would look like. And maybe you can't, you know, the, the first thing though, um, besides all of that, I would say is first talk to a realtor. Um, you might think a couple objections maybe you can't afford a realtor or you don't want to bother with them or like a lot of other people today you don't like human interaction uh, might be the case um, but there is a safety in a multitude of counselors and it doesn't cost you anything to meet with a realtor meet with a banker meet with these people unless you order the avocado toast buying a house includes loads of opportunities to get in trouble lose money incur liability Um, You don't watch YouTube videos on cavities and begin drilling in your own teeth. So again, find those counselors, um, find those people who are trained in um, education uh, or sorry, continue education, have extensive training in real estate law, finance negotiation. Any realtor in town is going to have those things um, and that experience that is really invaluable to keep you out of trouble and help bring a lot of value to you. So we fortunately, unfortunately seen that the deals happen um, also where somebody, you know, see something that they see, oh, that looks like a great deal um, for sale by owner, that kind of thing. Um, you want to avoid some pitfalls of striking out on your own by having somebody in your corner. And time also uh, is the most valuable commodity that we have. And um, working with having somebody who's working full time to help save you time Um, is is invaluable. Um, So you not only want to have someone in your corner working for you, um, but you also want to have um, an agent that is your trusted agent to work with you um, and represent you in the deals. Um, One of the things we talked about cost. you don't have to worry about paying a buyer's agent. That's one misnomer a lot of people have for misunderstanding. um, the, The Commission is baked into the sales price for both the buyers and sellers agents. So what you really want is to have somebody working for you, um, not just somebody who's working for a seller, working both sides, that kind of thing. You want a trusted counselor, a trusted um, person who can negotiate on your behalf. So talk to friends and family, um, talk to, uh, you know, coworkers, friends, whoever you know, um, and talk to some agents, interview them and pick somebody you can trust and go, go to work for you. So that's kind of my short pitch for for realtors. But first thing that your agent should do is tell you to go talk to a lender, also called mortgage specialist, uh, loan officer, um, mortgage brokers. Some of that has gone out since the recession, Um, fewer mortgage brokers around, but find somebody to go talk to. Again, unless you're fortunate enough to be a cash buyer, you will need some sort of financing. And typically it would be, mortgage we talked about earlier, putting that debt to death. death. Um, You want the right people in your corner. A trusted mortgage expert can help you through the largest and likely most complicated financial transaction that you're going to have. And again, get in early so that you can be prepared, Um, especially in hot markets like Moscow. I mentioned timing is really, really important. And if you miss out on the right house because you don't have your financing in order, um, that's going to be a real tragedy. It's, it's going to be hard to recover from. And we mentioned too, um, real estate being local. It's inherently local. I would encourage you to talk to a local lender. Um, you probably hear ads for online lenders like Rocket Mortgage, um, those kind of things constantly. And I know today, again, most people Like the convenience, perceived anonymity of doing things online, not having to talk to a real person. Um, But if you build a relationship with a local lender, they can overcome problems, they will have accountability to you. I've seen way too many times people chase a really great low rate online and then end up with a nightmare because people aren't um, getting back to them when it really matters. But with a local relationship, you're going to have somebody who's invested with you um, and for you because they not only hopefully like you, um, but they have the accountability. They're going to see you at Winko. Um, they're going to see me <laughs> around for sure. Um, they're going to want future referrals. So they're really going to have to take care of people and their reputations on the line. So um, that's one of the first things that, again, your realtor will probably tell you to do And again, don't be afraid to start early. I know most lenders would rather be dealing with something early on, um, help you and be prepared for when it's right, even if it's a number of years out, rather than trying to play catch up later. Um, There are a number of great options here in Moscow, including the credit unions, um, perhaps the local bank you already bank at. I do want to give a shout out to Brandon Allen who's back here with Summit Funding. Um, He's going to be around. He has some good handouts at the back as well. Um, with specific details for first time home buyers um, and any like hard financing questions, ask him, not me. Because um, I'm not a mortgage expert, but I do want to give you a brief overview of what to expect uh, for that pre approval process, as it's one of the most important pieces mm-hmm. of the puzzle as you get started. Um, I mean, unless you have half a million dollars in the bank, which would be great. Mm-hmm. So unlike, just like your agent, they're not going to charge you, again, to meet with you. They'd love to meet with you, help you through the process, and get pre-approved. Now, there is an important distinction between pre-qualification, like you can get with you know, Rocket Mortgage Online, and, um, and pre-approval. Specifically, Brandon gave me some statistics about their nationally pre-qualification letters, which basically you're putting some info online. They only have a 30% chance of actually closing a transaction at the end. Whereas at the bank, he works for a summit, they have a 98% chance of closing with their pre-approval letters. And that's just because of the amount of work and the amount of information, what they're doing to vet and make sure the process goes um, all the way through. And it's important to have that strength in an offer, but also so that you're not wasting your time, your valuable, valuable time, or your agent's valuable, valuable time. Um, looking at $300,000 homes and getting your heart set on something when maybe you can really only afford 200,000. And this is why it's important to have someone you trust and value and who can speak truth to you as well. I think um, a lot of lenders, um, especially if they don't care about you, faceless, bigger organizations, they want to tell you what you want to hear um, and want to get the sale. You want to find somebody who will tell you the hard news of, you know, it's really probably better for you to rent for a while, do this or that um, to save up and not get into too much trouble. So one of the things though that you will have to be prepared for, which I know I found difficult early on was being transparent with your finances with someone else. It's, it's difficult to do, but you are going to have to do that. Um, You're going to want to bring one month pay stubs when you go to talk to them, two months of bank statements, two years of W2s and two years of tax returns. Um, And this shows them your, CCID, credit, cash, income, and debt. Those are kind of the main components of that financing piece. Number one, credit. Your credit score is absolutely essential to being able to buy a house without cash. Um, and one of the things I run into a lot with people in kind of our circles, um, which I love, but it, it becomes a challenge, is an impulse to um, have an aversion to debt. Um, my dad instilled that in me long ago. And I know when I was in college, um, I was deathly afraid of credit cards because I didn't wanna be paying 25% interest and have all these penalties. Um, but if you know how to use them and use them well, um, treat them just like a debit card. Again, don't spend all your money, right? Um, then it won't charge you anything in interest as long as you pay it to zero every month. Um, and the, the wisdom is to get two credit cards, take out two so that they have multiple history to look at and build that history. What you're trying to show them is a history of handling credit well. So it's not about, you may think, well, if I always paid cash for everything, obviously I'm a great bet. Well, they wanna see how you handled that credit. So that's really important. Go out and get two credit cards, use them to buy gas or groceries and pay them off um, at the end of the month down to zero. Number two on that CC is cash. And that speaks to your down payment and reserves. it's often said that the difference between renters and and owners is a down payment. And that's partially true. However, you don't necessarily need that 20% down. I always kind of thought that um, that's what you do 20% down while that does get you the best rate. There are a lot of other good options out there for low down payment, no down payment options, even uh, assistance from, um, from friends and family, that kind of thing, USDA, FHA, Idaho housing, there's a lot of different options out there. I'd leave that to a a lender to talk to you about what one might fit you specifically. But basically just wanted to get that, that you don't necessarily need a bunch of cash for a big down payment to get into a home. Third is the income. Um, Income and credit are probably the most important there. And income is, is really showing that not only can you handle credit well, but that you have the ability to repay. This is one thing I kind of hate about the system. Um, It really favors W2 income and kind of penalizes entrepreneurs, um, uh, people who are working for themselves and that kind of thing. Um, But it's the way it is right now. And so uh, there are ways around it. um, If you are self-employed, if you're an entrepreneur, talk to your lender about it. But really, um, again, you wanna be able to show steady income, the ability to repay that loan over time. And lastly, debt. So CCID, credit, cash, income, debt. Debt isn't necessarily a killer. So don't despair if you have some student loan debt, car debt, that kind of thing. Um, it, but it all fits into the picture and needs to be offset by income. Um, so again, have a good fear of debt. Do you need that new car? Um, do you need those, those things? Try not to spend what you don't have, we talked about. Um, and all of this might be a major downer, not sound like much fun. Um, but doing that hard work up front, getting your financials in order and meeting with somebody to give you the hard news of what your budget might have to look like to accomplish your goals, getting that done up front um, is important so you can move past it and get to the fun part, which is where realtors get to come in. We get to have the fun part, which is the hunt. Um, yeah, hunting is, is the best, but that's, that's beside the point. Once you're pre-approved and confident about your budget, you have the freedom to start hunting for the right opportunity. And of course, um, that's where we can come in and help you. Not only can we work to, def- to determine your needs and wants, um, but figure out what is really gonna make the most sense for you. Unfortunately, um, I can't help you find your dream home. Dream homes don't exist in my opinion. Styles and situations change all the time. And, but what we can do is help you find the right place at the right price. And and again, build towards that goal of eventually um, being in a place in life where maybe a a dream home idea makes sense. Write down some of your important criteria, a bit of homework, uh, your goals, um, what kind of space you want, if it's a rental property, um, how much income are you looking for, what kind of percent return, Um, work with your agent to go through some of those things and figure out what makes sense um, for you so that they can start doing that. Again, don't, don't work, don't, Don't be afraid to start that early and be thinking about it. It's amazing how many times people start with one thing and after a couple years or months of looking, um, they end up buying something completely different. So you've looked, um, you've had the kind of fun search process and you find a home you like. Don't be afraid then to make an offer. For one thing, most uh, most buyers will make a number of offers before they find the right house. Um, And you don't want to have a fear of commitment. It may fit into some of the other talks. I don't know. But um, sometimes, if you are afraid of jumping on the right place, because you're thinking there might be other fish in the sea, um, so to speak, then uh, you can miss out on something that God put right in front of you. Um, Jed Whitling, who works for me, had some buyers from out of town looking at, at places last year. And came in and he found on the perfect place, did the homework, found a great spot, they loved it, but they wanted to explore all their options, right? Well, long story short, a year later, after looking and dragging poor Jed all over Creation, they end up buying that exact same house, um, the first house that he showed him. So sometimes, you know, uh, trust that, hey, this might, if it fits your criteria, just jump right in, um, take that risk and get into it. Um, and You know, the other thing I would say, too, is that um, one thing to think about as you start making offers, don't be afraid of lowball offers. Um, Sometimes those get accepted. um, But there is an important distinction, I think, between primary residences and investment properties. Um, There is a lot of emotion in your primary residence, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, It's a place to live, to raise your family, um, to love. And if you really love it, don't worry so much about overpaying it. I think one of the one of the big things that hurt so many Americans during the big housing crisis was that they really saw their home as their primary investment and when they lost value it just devastated people. But if you think about the fact that this is again a place where you're going to be showing hospitality, raising your family, if you love it there are worse things in life um, than overpaying a little bit. So now that you've, now that you've been pre-approved, we talked about financing, made an offer, it gets accepted, now what? So walk through a little bit of the process um, so you can learn some of the terminology, that kind of thing. First, you'll need to deposit earnest money. Um, This is often around 1% of the purchase price and it's to show you're serious or in earnest. Um, And that money is typically refundable based on your contingencies. Financing and and inspection are two of the, the typical ones. And so that's, those are the other things to jump on as you're, as you're moving forward. Um, again, notice a theme here, hire a trusted professional. Um, let your agent help you line up inspections with certified home inspector, uh, school sewer scope, mold inspection, structural engineer if needed, get that team around you to help um, make sure that you're making a wise decision because that's really your opportunity to back out and again, get all your earnest money back and everything. Um, without uh, going forward too much and you want those you want those things the sewer scope oddly enough is one of my favorite parts of home inspection um, It sounds gross. Sometimes it's gross But like seeing what's down there where nobody else ever sees or goes is is kind of interesting And it can save you a lot of money if there's problems with it um, So once you're done with those you can either move forward renegotiate or walk away for anything you weren't satisfied with so Um, While that's happening, though, I mentioned two contingencies, financing, inspection. You're going to want to be working with your lender and pushing through everything um, with them to underwriting. And part of that piece will be the appraisal. Sometimes people have that confusion between appraisal and inspection. The inspection is for you to know about the state of the house. The appraisal is basically for the bank to do the same thing. They're ensuring, checking that their collateral, what they would be able to seize if if they had to foreclose, is up to value. So it's, it's all ordered by the bank. Assuming everything goes slowly, you should be close oh, slowly, smoothly, you should be able to close in about 45 days. Um, and then that closing, that's one of the best parts. Um, the title company facilitates that. Title company, um, what they're doing are two things really in the transaction. Um, handling escrow, which is kind of a vague word that many people don't know what it is. Basically it's taking everyone's money, holding it, and, and then dispersing it, make, once everything is signed around and everything happens. They're basically just a third party there. But they also provide title insurance. And title insurance is what insures your rights to the property. So um, they're insuring against somebody coming out of the woodwork a few years later and saying, hey, I, somebody else sold that house to me, that's my house. Um, which, which may sound crazy. It actually happened to my dad once. He bought a piece of property and at a, um, at a public hearing about the development, some guy said, stood up and say, you know, my grandfather left that property to me. Long story short, um, their title insurance was lacking. He had to buy the property from that guy again. So make sure you have um, title insurance in place and that'll all get taken care of for you. Um, that stuff is all part of the joys of home ownership, right? But while that sums up the process, it's also where the work begins. You get your keys. That's, that's the fun part and the joy, but that work is also a joy. This when you rip out the old and ugly and turn something into a beautiful home. That's where you increase the value. It's where um, you can replace new flooring and, and have that be so satisfying. And similar to your college studies, the home buying process is preparing you for home ownership. So, you have. We've talked a lot about kind of hard work, the stuff that you don't want to do, um, being disciplined in your budgeting. Well, Budgeting and planning ahead of time is going to prepare you for when it really gets serious. Um, I've heard taught many times by Pastor Wilson and others, and I can attest to it, marriage doesn't fix your problems, it amplifies them. Similarly, if you aren't budgeting and disciplined now, those issues will compound with the responsibility of home ownership. So... Be faithful in little and God will prepare you to be faithful in much when it's in God's time. Now, don't let your home savings budget prevent you from being generous. This is God's economy. And if you maintain and improve your property while continuing to kill that mortgage and also being generous to others around you, you'll be ready um, to really really, um, capitalize on the joys of it well as great profits when it comes time to sell. Selling would really be a completely different talk in and of itself. So while we've covered some reasons to buy, a little bit about what goes into the process of buying and financing a home, Um, I would end with a quote from Will Rogers, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. So whether you're passionate about real estate Um, You will interact with it the rest of your life. Make an effort now to understand it, evaluate it, look into how you can take ownership and have the freedom it brings through building, taking dominion, showing hospitality, and enjoying your little piece of this heaven on earth under the Lordship of Christ. Thank you.